Tom wasn't coming. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> not again. If, if this is your first time, I am not the pastor of this church. And, when, and, and believe me, you're going to be thankful for that here in just a minute. But our pastor is, is out this weekend ministering to another group of people, and, and we need to share him with other folks, so, you know. Uh, now, I look at it kind of like this right here. You know, you take two steaks and throw them out there on the table. And you can take one of them and just throw it in the pan and fry it. And they both got the same nutritional value. Same amount of vitamins, minerals, and all that stuff. But you give that same steak to the right guy. Let him rub it a little bit. Give it to Al. Let him put it in the trigger for a while. Let him rub on it. Let him put his little mix on it. Let him do his thing. And it's going to taste a lot better than the one you get from meat, probably. Same analogy. Come back next week. I guarantee you it's the same word, but it's better. <laughs> it's, uh, can't nobody serve it up like our pastor can. That, now, y'all know that's true. Give it up for our pastor. Okay? And, and once in a while, we just got to let somebody else experience our cook. You know, we got we to gotta send our cook to someone else's kitchen and just let him get in there and mess them up. Okay? Because I, now I don't know how he, he, our pastor affects you, but he affects me in, in some different ways, and, uh, and, and, I, and I love him for that, but the one thing he, he does t- is when I sit over here, sometimes as I get ready to leave, it, I'm just I'm messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm like, the word we would use in the old days for old Christians, and uh, it's conviction. It, it's <laughs> you know, nowadays it seems like that's just a word folks don't want to hear no more. They, they don't want to be convicted or not. Well, shame on you if you don't. Conviction is to your spiritual man what pain is to your natural man. Okay? Isn't that about right? Okay? Now, I don't like pain. Well, hey, but it's necessary. You know? Now, a, a, a guy one time, his name was Vigoro Morrison, said this right here. He said, and he was listing all the qualities of pain. And, one, and I don't remember them all because, God, I don't want to remember them all. <laughs> kind of like to forget them, you know, but... The one I do remember is that the one thing that you can always be thankful for paying for is it lets you know that you ain't dead yet. If you can still feel something, you ain't dead yet. So when our pastor's up here doing his thing and it's hurting me, at least I know I ain't dead yet. There's still something in there God can work with. There's still something if we'll let the Holy Ghost blow on it. There's still a little ember in there. And if we'll let him fan it, it could bust up into it. It could. No, it don't always, but it could. Okay, you gotta you gotta open your mind to the fact that it could. Okay? You gotta you gotta let God move in your life. And sometimes you just gotta stand up. Okay? It's it's hurting, but stand up anyway and just stand there in your pain. Stand there in whatever it is you're in and hurt and just keep living for God. Okay, now there's one thing, I and mean, Todd was up here talking about, he wanted all y'all to come, and he expected you to come, and it's kind of like that with the pastor time, he expects stuff of you. Okay, well here's a word for you, this is a word that came to me one time, uh, I shared it with these guys last night, and uh, things that he was preaching, and I'm like, well, I don't really, I'm thinking, you know, I don't really think I need to be doing all that, but, so I go home and read my Bible, and sure enough, I did, I need to be doing that, you know. So then I turn over to Isaiah, and I read in there where it says in there that, and, and if you read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is just, he's painting these boys back forth red you know, when he starts out. The children of Israel are not 
doing right. When you when you read this book, the prophet is he's tearing them up now. And and, and he gets over in there and, and he says, Come let us reason together. Let and what he's saying is let's sit down and think about this and correct this thing. Come, let us reason. And then he moves on down in a little bit and he says, If you will become willing and obedient, okay, then you can eat of the good of the land. Now we got a lot of obedient Christians today. They ain't a willing bone in them no place. You know, they, they will do what you tell them, but they ain't no, not one part. And I kind of liken that to my kids. When you, you tell them, you say, hey, son, take the trash out. No, no, take the trash out. I'll get the trash, carry the trash. <coughs> Throw the trash in, come back, kick the can over. You can get away with that at my house, but my mama wouldn't have put up with that. <laughs> no. I don't really care. Just get the trash out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. <laughs> But there ain't no willingness in that, okay? Now, but we have got to learn to be willing. The word willing there means to acquiesce. It means to quietly, passively, without all that, do what you're asked to do, okay? So I tell you that to tell you this. Show up for trunk or treat. Man, we need you. <laughs> Get some willingness in your heart. Be willing to come. You don't have One thing that willing does not mean is it doesn't mean you've got to be eager. Okay, you don't got to be eager to get here. And, you know, oh, God, I can't wait. Now, you don't have to be that because if you think it means that, think about Jesus when he was in the garden. What was he saying? Father, if there's any way we can get out of this, <laughs> who is it going to hurt? And I sure wish that we had another plan. And if you do, not be a good time to reveal it. I can hear him coming up the road, and you know that Judas guy's with him, and I'm in trouble. Help me, Father. But... Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. We need to become willing and obedient. Now, that's a word that the whole body needs to hear. I mean, all Christians need to hear that, but we need to hear that right here. I stand before you today, an obedient servant. Can't always say that I'm willing, but here I am. (laughs) I have kicked and squalled a time or two, but didn't really help much. Still had to come. Woke up this morning, I was like, yep, here we go again. We're going to read out of 1 Samuel, and a lot of you are going to say, well, I've already heard this story. Well, I know, we've all heard this story. People who don't even go to church have heard this story. But maybe you ain't heard it quite like this. Maybe there's something in here you just didn't see. Now, my brother told me, and my brother is a very, very enlightened person. Um, I would tell you all of his accomplishments, but there aren't time. And he, sometimes he gets embarrassed by it when you start telling people how smart he is. But he told me that over in First Peter chapter 2, I think it's, I think it's verse 21. Anybody got a Bible? Look in there and see if, if it's in there. What kind of Bible are you get looking in there, Todd? My, it's got to be in the King James Bible. <laughs> if it's, uh-huh. All right. Well, anyway, so it says in there that, Christ left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. Okay, something like that. That's pretty close rendition. And so if the Bible says that Christ has left me an example that I should follow in his footsteps, I should be looking in his word to see if I can find an example of Christ. And then once I see it, I should follow it. I should do it. I should try and imitate it. I should try and do the same thing what Christ just did. Now, last night we talked about a lot of things, but one thing I didn't tell him was uh, 
We left a lot of meat on the bone last night. And today, one of the things I want to say is this right here. That when you look at the life of David in this story, and I had never seen it this way, but my brother said, is, is that what that said? Was I right about that? Okay. I, just, I didn't want to mess y'all up and give you the wrong scripture. Because he told me when he told me a lot of this stuff, he goes, now, Matthew, are you writing that down? I'm like, don't worry about me. I got it. I stand here before you again today wishing I had wrote some of this down. <laughs> I, I don't always do what I know to do, and God knows my heart, and that's not an excuse for not writing it down. Now, one thing about it is after Tom gets done painting my back porch red, my brother will do it too, and then when he's through, before he hangs up, he says, now pull your little spiritual britches up and go on back to the Word and see what he said. So sometimes... I get it from both ends, from, from everybody. Everybody's trying to help me grow up. I guess that, <laughs> that's the way I look at that right there. Everybody's trying to help Marty grow. But one thing he showed me about David, which I had never seen before, was that David is a picture of Christ. Uh, and, and I didn't know that. I mean, I knew he was anointed the king and Christ was the king. But some of the things he told me about David's life was this. One of them is David was sent by his father. Jesus was sent by his father. David's father said, son, take the bread over there to your brother. Jesus was the bread of life, sent by his father. Whoa, this is not just a coincidence. <laughs> if you think it is, you're wrong. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. And he goes, well, I ain't done yet. And David got over there. He was rejected by his brother. Christ was rejected. Okay. David fought a substitutionary fight for all the children of Israel. Christ was our substitute. Now, in David is a perfect picture of Christ. So we need to look at the life of David and follow that example. Okay, because there are types and shadows, is what my brother called it. You know, son, you know about them types and shadows, don't you? And I go, well, tell me about it, Doc. And so he says, well, and then he started telling me about Goliath. You know he's the devil, don't you? I said, well, I've always kind of suspected that, had my suspicions. Who else would act like that? <laughs> I went out with his sister one time, and she was the devil, too. <laughs> but he said, no, now stop. Pay attention, he said. You know, if he would have been there, he would have hit me. But Goliath, think about Goliath like this right here. Okay? Goliath was six feet in a span. Okay? And if you read, he had six pieces of armor. The Bible lists six pieces of armor. The head of his beard weighed six shekels. Now, six plus six plus six equals the devil to Marty all day long. That's what that, that's what that means. <laughs> you put them three numbers on. I see a license plate with three sixes. I'm, I'm going around the corner. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with them three sixes. I know that that's the devil. Okay. Goliath stood around and taunted. The, the, and, and this is where I should have had my pen out. Because that's about all I remember about it. But he had a list on Goliath, too. But this morning, I, I tell you that to tell you this, that in this story, there is an example of Christ. So if, in, was it First Peter, he tells us that he has left for us an example that we should follow it, I say we look at the life of David, the story of David and Goliath, and see it as a picture of Christ, and we follow it. So here we go. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll start at verse 1, and I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified. <laughs> Psych. 
Mark's like, what? <laughs> I did that last night. Bev went. I heard her all the way up. She goes, what? <laughs> I, I wasn't even looking at her, man. I could hear her over there going, GZ, He said, what? <laughs> and I'll tell you what I told him. Look, if you, if you don't have to use a King James Bible. That's just, you know, you use any Bible. I, I'm pretty sure you can get to heaven with one of them other words. <laughs> You want to take a chance on it, you go ahead. But I'll be willing to wager when we get there and we look up there, Jesus got a King James Bible sitting right next to the throne. Oh, uh, that's what I bet you. Okay, now let's get started because we got a lot of ground to cover and there's like 50-something verses. And when I told that to Kathy that night, she just about had a stroke. And my plan here this morning is to let you out by a quarter after. And that ought to make you rejoice because, see, you're going to get to beat the Baptist to the buffet. Now, you won't have to stand in that long line today, man. You'll be right down there on the front row. <laughs> you'll be in there, man. You'll play to be full. You'll be on your way home. You'll be even get to watch halftime. You, you'll, I'm going to let you out early. This is express weekend, in case you're wondering. Yeah, usually, that's just one group. Not this weekend. Everybody's going to enjoy express weekend this weekend. All right. So let's get started. And um, I try not to take too long. Sometimes I get bogged down, so Lene, if you see me bogging, then it looks like I ain't going to make it. Say something. Now, the Philistines gathered. There you go. Do that right there. Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Succoth. And Bel- <laughs> Let me read my mind. That's a little small for me. Uh, they gathered theirs together at Succoth, which belonged to Judah, which is praise, and pitched between Succoth and Azenkoth in Ephens Demon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elam and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, last night, I got to quit telling you what I said. Let me just tell you today. Let's just start off just like I wasn't even here last night. <coughs> yeah. The word Goliath means exile, okay? Now, the only people who ever got sent into exile were a people who had been conquered. And when two armies fought, the winning guys would take the, the captains and the generals from the other army, and they would take them, and they would strip them of their armor. They would strip them of their honor. They, lots of times they would strip them of their clothes, and they would take them, and they would chain them, and they would march them through the city naked. So for, for the whole world to see, in shame and in uh, disgrace, and uh, that was the spirit of Goliath. That's that's that was him. Uh, here he was, nine feet tall. Let's keep reading. He had a helmet of brass. He was his height was six cubits in a span, which is uh, about nine feet. Some say eleven, between nine and eleven. He had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulder. That's a bronze jav- That's a javelin slung on his back, what they're talking about there. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 cubits. That's about 12 pounds. Now there you go. There's them sixes again. That's the devil right there, boy. That's the devil, if there ever was. He was nine foot tall, big old long beard, and gape mouth, no teeth, stinky breath, and flies all around him. This was an ugly boy. 
I'm talking about this guy put the UG in ugly right here. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it kind of sounds like some problem in our life today, doesn't it? I mean, you wake up and there he is, the devil, the problem, the bills. This looks insurmountable to you. But hey, have heart. Just keep reading. And uh, let's see. And he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you the service of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. Verse 9. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, there was a lot I wanted to say right now. I'm going to keep going because I'm pressed. <clears throat> pressed. The Baptists are warming up their cars. <laughs> if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we... <laughs> Stop that. Quit. Whoever that is doing that, quit. Then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants to serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, one thing we need to notice right here is who's doing all the talking. It, it, is, the, it, it is the devil. The devil is the one standing out there doing all the talking. Who's talking in your life? What voices are you hearing? Okay. Now, everyone knows when he stands here and says, I defy the, give me a man that we may fight together. Everyone knows that what he's talking about is he's looking for him to send Saul out. That, that, that's, what they, that, that's who he's looking for. Because if you read your Bible, you'll find out that it's in like 1 Samuel. Uh, I wrote it down somewhere. But anyway, somewhere in like 1 Samuel, you'll see that Saul stood head and shoulders above all the other Israelites. This was the biggest Jew in the land. Okay? And he's he not coming out. He ain't saying nothing back. He's just sitting there going, I defy, the, here we are, we're in verse 10, I defy the armies of Israel, kafal in Hebrew, defy. I defame you, I expose you, I jeopardize you, I pull down, I blaspheme you, I disarm you, I unnerve you, I make you look and feel stupid. Give me a man and let us fight together. Now, that's pretty much what this guy's saying to him right there, man, I defy you. Send somebody out here, anybody. I don't care. Send Saul. What he wanted was Saul. But now, there was, God had a different plan. Ha. Well, now, verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. That word means they were prostrate. And they just ran and, and crawled down under the... What that means is they jumped down behind the hill and was peeking over the top. And the boy didn't even want Saul to see him. I mean, didn't even want Goliath to see him. They were scared. Now, in the midst of all this, David, verse 12, now the son, now David was the son of the Ethanite of Bethlehem, Judah, uh, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle, and the names of the three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next unto him was Abinadab, the third was Shammah. And David was the youngest. Now, you got to watch out for them young boys. Watch out for the kids, man. And the three eldest followed Saul, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. David was a shepherd. Now, what you should get out David is at home tending sheep, and every day he runs up to see what's going on. He, he, was, he, he wanted to know what's going on. He was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. David was a, 
Not only was David just a shepherd, David was a little guitar player. Now you find that earlier if you read that he used to go and play for Saul, and Saul would be all messed up, and his mind would be vexed and stuff. They'd send David in, David would plug in this little Stratocaster into his Marshall half stack. <laughs> That's in there. Don't laugh. That's in the Bible. It's in there. Now you have to buy the revised musician's edition to read that. <laughs> well, I, I, hey, I can, I can get you one. It just depends on what version you want to read. That's my version. David liked his strat with his half stack. And he'd sit out there. And, and, and when he was watching the sheep, and, and David would encourage himself with what? Psalms. David wrote most of the psalms. What does the word psalms mean? Psalms is nothing but songs or twangings. David was a twanger. The boy was a guitar slanger. <laughs> he'd get out there with a the sheep and he'd be, I can hear him out there now. I am a friend of God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> David was doing his thing, man. And when the sheep would go to sleep, David would sing a cute little song like, I love you, Lord, and I live my life. David had a whole repertoire. Now, you can find that, like I said, go to the Bible bookstore and get the Revised Musician Edition, and you can read all about David and his guitar playing. The boy was good, very skillful. He had licks that most folks don't know of. Verse 16. And, uh, and the Philistines drew near morning and evening and, and presented himself for 40 days. Ain't that just like the devil? Shows up every morning, morning and night, morning and night. You wake up, there he is. Wake up, there's, there's them same old bad acting kids in your house that <laughs> ain't left yet. Can't get them to go. The dogs is howling and, the, you know, the bills is packing up. Some of them bills done turned pink. You know, you, the devil is there. You're laughing. You know what that means, don't you? <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that, that's the color they get when they're way late. <laughs> We used to have a system in my house. We didn't even open them until they was light pink. <laughs> we just kind of spun through them, and the pinkest one got open first. <laughs> oh. <coughs> but now I, I've done hooked up with this church, and I know that I, I, I'm blessed. <laughs> I pay my bills. <laughs> I'm just playing. Don't, don't, don't. God, help me to get going here. This, this is why I can't get done. i got to hurry. <laughs> and, and Jesse said unto David, Take now for thy brethren. We've already talked about that. His father told him, Take the bread down there. He said, Take this loaf to them. Take the cheeses. And then get their pledge. And so it's, uh, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elon fighting with the Philistines. They weren't really fighting. That's just I don't know why they put that in there like that. Figuratively, they might have been thinking about fighting, but nobody was actually fighting. So David rose up early in the morning, verse 20, left the sheep with the keeper, took and went as Jesse had commanded him. He threw all the cheeseburgers in the car, got on his little I love Jesus shirt, put his little honk I love him on the chariot, and off he went to take his brother the food. And when he came to the trench, he, and he came to the trench, and as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So here they are. David shows up. He's leaving. He gets there, and the men of Israel's heading out once again, lining up for battle, singing the war cry, got their clothes on, got their armor, running out there, singing about fighting, but ain't nobody fighting. For Israel, verse 21, for Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. 
And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And he talked with them, and behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath. Gath, the word Gath. You look that word up there, what that word is, is it's, it's talking about the press. It's talking about a press. It's talking about the act of pressing uh, like a wine press. But it's, it's, it's actually referring to the act of getting stomped on and pressed out. Goliath was not only big, ugly, intimidating, but he lived, his address was, <laughs> I see him, when I see him, I see him in his big, ugly monster, and his, even his house was ugly, because he came from Gath. You know, I, I bet if you looked it up, he lived in this house that looked something like Herman Munster's when you showed up. It just, everything about this guy was, was sinister. It was, it was evil. And he, so here comes the champion, the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Now, verse 25, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So here in verse 25, we have these guys discussing what's going to happen if you will just man up and go out there and meet the guy. He's going to give you some monies, some honeys, and tax exemption. <laughs> That's what you get. Now, most generally, that would make any man go fight. <laughs> you can send a big boy out there and, you know, some money's right and taxes ain't going to have to get paid. Hey, I'm into it. Show me. Let me. But that, this guy was so bad, he, nobody still wanted to fight him. And David spoke to the men in verse 26 that stood by him saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Man, we got to go. Um... Who, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? If you will notice in this whole rendering, up until this time, everything has been, aren't you the servants of Saul? Aren't you in the army of Saul? Aren't you Saul's people? Aren't you? No one had ever brought up the name of God. Now here comes the little shepherd. Now here comes the little musician. And he has enough common sense to say, hey, man, this guy ain't just a, this guy's defying God. That ought to make you stand up right that. We ain't got time to do. We could, we could talk about that for a long time. And the people answered to him, and, uh, and David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? And the people answered him after what they had just said. That's what's going to be done. In verse 28, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard, when he spake unto them, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why come you down here, hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Boy, I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, for thou art come down here that thou mightest just see the battle. Now, if I'd have been dead right about there, I'd say, Man, what battle? And you, you guys ain't doing There's a lot you can say to the man right there when he just opens his mouth, but David didn't. He showed some restraint, a lot more restraint than I would have. I'd have sure got up in the business right about there. I'd have given the what for. Verse 29, and David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause or can I speak? Can, can I talk? 
Verse 30, and he turned from him toward another. Now, there is a great lesson right there in and of itself. That's an example that we need to learn to follow. When negative people come around you and start da-da-da-da, don't, don't, just turn from that. Just, you know, show them your backside and head to somebody else. Find you somebody else. Find someone who will encourage you, someone who will lift you up, someone who will promote your vision, someone, especially if it's a godly vision. Okay? If it's of God, man, do not let the world, do not let other people distract you or disdain you or talk you out of it, man. Man up. Do like David did. Leave. Hey, man, I got to go find me somebody else to talk to. Verse 31. We're just about to get somewhere here. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them again. Sorry about that. For Saul and sit. They, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and sent for him. And he sent for him. Look, your gift will make, make room for you. That's in the Bible too. If you, if you just stay on task, God will make room for you. Don't be this. Don't sweat. Look, you got, sometimes you just got to learn to stand. When you have done all that you can do to stand, then stand. Just stand right there. You just, sometimes you just got to cowboy up. Okay, and, and it's verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Hey, man, I got this. Don't, don't, don't be all shook up. And Saul said to David, thou art not able. You just ain't able. I know you'd like to, but you ain't able. Thou art, you ain't able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Hmm. David said to Saul, Thy servant keeps his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he, across, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. David, verse 37, said, Moreover, the Lord had delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hands of this Philistine. Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You know what Saul's saying right there? Is, okay, man, whatever. Somebody's got to go. Might as well be you. Okay? <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> I know how that felt. I've, a lot of times I felt like Saul. Oh, hey, hey. And so, and then just in good gesture, as a spirit of good gesture, verse 39, Saul said, Saul armed David with his armor. He put on a helmet, a brass upon his head. He also armed him with a coat of mail. David girded up his uh, girded his sword upon with his. Oh, I can't even read. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, "I cannot go with this, for I have not proved them." And David put him off. Hey man, I can't take this. This, this stuff don't even fit. You're the biggest guy. In the, where, where you put your stuff on me for? But look, don't let people put their stuff on you. All right? Use what God gave you. All right? that, that's the lesson to learn right there. We, we, I want to keep going. But look, verse, 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 10, verse 4, we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons are not carnal, but what? They're mighty. We have some mighty weapons. Okay? 
And we, and we need to use them. Ephesians 3 and 20, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Okay, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. These things were going in David. I don't need this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's going to become very clear to you in just a minute. Verse 40. This is where we wanted to get to right here. We got four minutes. And he took his staff in his hand and he chose him. Five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistines. Now, we have all heard, at least I have, because I've been in churches all my life, about these five smooth little stones, what they are. Some say they're grace, G-R-A-C-E. Some say they're faith, F-A-I-T-H. I have that spelled. Is that right? Did that come out right? Is that right letters? All right. Some people say Goliath had four brothers. All that could be true. But let me tell you what I think it is. And I checked with Jeeves today on this. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he says, right answer. Okay. <clears throat> if you look in Matthew 16, you'll see Jesus talking to Peter. And he says to him, he says, now, Peter, who, who do you think that I am? Who do people say that I am? Well, let me just read it to you. And he says unto them, but who say ye that I am? Verse 16 chapter 16, he says, and Peter answered said unto him, Thou art the Christ, son of the living God. 17, Jesus answered said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Peter, verse 18, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what rock are we talking about? We are talking about the fact that Peter knew who Christ was. Upon this rock, upon this understanding, upon this revelation that you have of who I am, upon this rock, I can build a church. On the fact that you understand who I am. Isn't that about right? That's about right. That's what Jesus said. That's what Doc said when I asked him this stuff this weekend. Because personally, the, I had several other topics I would rather have talked about this weekend than this one. But in my personal walk with God, there are some Goliaths in my life right now, okay? And, and, and I needed to know how to remove them. And let me show you what I found. David went out and got five rocks, five smooth stones. The Bible says that he was on his way. He was coming down from the hill into the valley. That's another lesson. So everybody wants a mountaintop experience. You can't stay up there forever, folks. There ain't no victories up there. Uh, we could talk about what's up there. You, we just read what's up there. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to be up there all that long. Complacency becomes up there. Uh, man, we, we can start listening, but we're not going to. We leave a lot of meat on that bone for you to think about when you get home. David comes down from the mountain out into the valley to face Goliath or exile or I'll strip you, I will strip you of your armor, I'll take away your shield of faith, I'm going to take away your righteousness, I'll, I will strip you. And what does he do along the way? He stops by a little creek and he sticks his hand in it and he gets five smooth stones. Now I think that if we're going to say that David represents Christ and we can make a case for that and we can make the case for the fact that Goliath is definitely a definitely yeah, that Definitely. What? 
Yeah. We can prove to you <laughs> that Goliath is the devil. I think that we could make the leap that when David stuck his hand into the water, lots of times in the, in the Bible, water, if you read, and let me just read this to you in Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. A lot of times water is synonymous with the word. Okay? You just made man, y'all nodding your head, y'all with me on this, okay? So, David comes down from the mountain to the valley, sticks his hand in the water, and gets him five smooth stones. And I say those stones are understanding. I say they are revelation. I say they are knowledge that he got out of the word. As he stuck his hand into the word, he got him some understanding, and then that's what took out his giant. I think we can make that leap. Okay? I think that'll work. Now, what? And, and we read on, David goes out there, and, he, and, and if you take the whole thing apart and look at it and dissect it, David ain't scared. This ain't some, uh, when you, if you were playing this back in a movie theater, it wouldn't be one of them times when the, he's standing out there trembling and sweat's pouring off him, and he's loading up his sling, dropping his rocks, and, oh, God. It wouldn't be like that. David was just coming down off the mountain, man. He just started, got him five rocks, and he's on his way because he, he's ready. He ain't scared. Ain't nothing scared about him. He comes out, and the Goliath's standing out there, and he said, and the, the armor bearer's in front of him, and he says, yo, Goliath, look, you ain't going to believe who they sending. Check it out. And he looks over, and he sees David coming. Now, the Bible said David was ruddy, small, fair. Basically, they're looking for Saul. They're looking for some big gun, and they send Opie Taylor. Okay? Or howdy doody, whoever you think. I don't, I don't know. But out comes this little, small, red-headed, freckle-faced boy. And ain't got a care in the world. Ain't afraid, ain't scared, ain't worried. Just got him a sling and five little rocks. Okay, that's, that's, that's David. That's the picture. Wasn't that Christ? Christ wasn't worried. Nothing about Christ got scared either. Okay, now, David says he takes his rock, he slings it, and he kills the giant. With what? He kills it with understanding. Now, it does not... Over in the New Testament, Paul says to the, the church in Rome, he says, Hey, brothers, you need to renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed or metamorphosed or more. You ever seen uh, them golf shows where it starts out and it's uh, like BJ singing, and when it ends up, it's David Love? What they call that is morphing. It just, one smooth frame, it just morphs right into another guy. And, and Television industry, they call that morphing. They, they just morph them. Or Transformers, that new movie, I haven't seen it. But I hear they transform into something else. Paul is telling the other church, look, you need to morph into Christ. Not, not so much physically. I mean, you're always going to look how you look. I mean, you're ugly now. You'll be ugly when you... <laughs> you know, you're fat now. Once you get some understanding, you'll probably still be fat. Just understand more, that's all. Just... Um, <laughs> don't think that uh, you're going to morph into, you know, you're not going to morph into Steve Stunning all of a sudden, you know. You're, you're still going to be who you are. You're just going to have some understanding. So what he's saying there is, but how is that going to happen? He says you have got to renew your mind. Now, if you look that word up, he's talking about to renovate or to regenerate. And, and the, we fast forward now we're in the New Testament. These rocks, David reached down into the word, got five rocks, 
and pull them out, and I say they're understanding, and I'm telling you that in the New Testament, Paul told us that the way that we're going to defeat our giants is through understanding, through God's word. It's going to be through knowledge. What, my people perish for what? There you go. That's, I mean, you can just start tying this stuff together, but we ain't got time. It's 20 after, and I'm going to let you go. But here's the deal. I mean, I'm five minutes past. You didn't kick one time. What good are you? <laughs> okay. So, David, when you read this story, it's a type of Christ. He kills the devil. And what we should have got out of it, or what I got out of it, was I can be victorious too. I can come down off my, and I can go into the valley, but I'm going to need to be armed with something. And I think it's going to need to be armed with the knowledge of the Word of God. And I'm telling you that today, the way you're going to defeat your enemy is through the knowledge of the Word of God. Now, you'll notice that the Bible didn't just say he got five rocks. It said he got five smooth rocks. These were refined rocks. And rocks have been in there for a while. It takes some time when you put a rock in some water to let the water knock the edges off of. Some of us still got some edges on us. We need to get back in the Word. We need to stay in there. Let that water, Word just keep working on it. Let it just keep washing across you. Let it keep renewing your mind. You know the word renew is also to renovate or to regenerate. It is... It, it, it's, and we're not going to get into all that, but it's a gening, it's a regening. The genes are the things what determine how you look. Everybody's got two. Okay? It takes two. When your mom and dad get together, there's two chromosomes come together, and in these two chromosomes, there's the gene. That's, that's what creates you. Okay? That's who you are. That's why some people can look up and go, boy, you look just like your mama. That's, yeah, I got her genes, man. Can't help it. Well, other times people look at you and go, man, you look just like your daddy. Yeah, they got his genes in me. Well, some people just look at me and go, boy, it looks like your daddy just spits you out. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> I just looked like my daddy. Can't help it. Except dad wasn't as big. He didn't eat that much. He was a little small man. But looked just like him in other ways. <laughs> I tell you that to tell you this. You need to get the father's genes in you. He told Nicodemus, wasn't it Nick? He says, son, uh, you need to be born again. What he says, you need some new genes. We need some new genes. We need our minds renewed. We need to be regenerated. We need to get in the Word and get the Father's genes in us so that we can transform into spiritually the Father so that we will be armed with the Word of God so that we can defeat the enemy, okay? That's the way it's going to work now. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Let's close your Bibles and close, close your eyes for a moment. And let's, let, let's, let's have a word. Of, let's pray and let's hurry and get on down there before they fill up them eating up joints. Uh, I know some of y'all are anxious to get down to, we used to call them the local choke and puke. <laughs> Everybody's got their favorite one. All right. But let me pray for you, and then, and then we'll let you go. Just, just close your Bible and close your eyes for just a minute. Father, right now, I, I pray, God, that something was said here this morning that would encourage your people, that would let us see that we need our minds renewed, and let us see, Father, that from the story of David and Goliath, that, that we can be victorious if we will just get some understanding through the Word and get our minds renewed, that, that Father, we can, we can defeat any foe, any enemy, we don't have to be broke, busted, and disgusted our whole life. We can be on top and not on the bottom. You tell us that we're going to be blessed coming in and going out. 
And that's, that's, that's available to us if we will just... We're gonna, nothing in the Word of God works if you don't. Let me just say that, all right? A lot of times people come up and, and they think one prayer is going to be the answer for everything. But look, you come up and they lay hands on you, they pray for you, and you get delivered and you go home and you ever notice that a couple ain't long and you're right back to the same. It's up to you to maintain that deliverance. And it, it's not a, just a one-stop deal. You've got to get back in the Word and let it just keep washing on you. Let it keep working on you. Let it keep getting in you. The more time you spend with the Father, the more like the Father you will begin to look. My prayer this morning is that we will stay in His Word, that we will spend time with Him so that we will all begin to look more like the Christ, that we're, that the example that He left that we're trying to look like. The Father, this morning, as the people go, Go with them, be with them, continue to bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen.